Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast, proud members of the Full-Time Fantasy Podcast Network. You can find them at FTF Podnet on Twitter. You can find me at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter. And you can find my co-host for the day, Mr. Matthew Fox at Nighthawk7734 on Twitter. We are one of um, we are one of many great podcasts on this network, including the likes of Jim Day of FF Champs. Adam Ronis and Dr. Roto from SiriusXM Radio, Bob Lung of the award-winning Fantasy Football Consistency Guide, Dwayne McFarland, Blake Sullivan, and many other great podcasts. Your one-stop shop for all of your fantasy news, advice, and strategies. And you can find all of us on FullTimeFantasy.com. We have a full episode for you guys today. Yet again, we are going to break down the second half of week four. We've got eight games on the docket. I do want to start off by apologizing for yesterday's episode thought we had all of the audio uh, stuff and everything fixed. It was showing it was working with my computer, and I could hear him clearly. It did not work out that well when the podcast came out, but we are good to go today. I promise you, we have double, triple, quadruple checked. I had uh, a good friend of mine and a great uh, member of the podcasting community, Mr. Jeremy Barker. You guys can follow him at Bark Back Row. Uh, follow the Back Row Fantasy Show as well as he, he helped me with a did a little video call yesterday and really helped me get all this stuff set up. I could not be doing this without him, so I really appreciate him taking the time out of his day yesterday to make sure that all this stuff was good to go. So definitely give him a follow. He is well worth it. Not only is he he's a f- phenomenal member of the fantasy community and podcasting community, but he also has an incredible fantasy show and really good with all of his IDP stuff that they do over there at the Back Row Fantasy Show. So give them a follow. Like I said, they are well worth it. We have got as I said, a full docket today with the eight games, uh, including the Sunday night and Monday night game. So we will go ahead and jump Matt right in here right now, and we'll talk about some fantasy football. Hello! And as I mentioned there in the intro, we have Mr. Matthew Fox joining me again today. He was technically on the episode with me yesterday, if you guys... Uh, Heard the introduction clearly uh, due to my error was not able to come through that well. So we do again apologize about that. So I'm going to ask you again, since nobody really heard your answer yesterday, how was your weekend and how did uh, how did your fantasy weekend play out for you this past week? Uh, fantasy was kind of a mixed bag. I finished 11 and 17. Um, obviously, heartbreaking watching the Broncos since the, I'm a fan of that team. Um, but I was able to split in my vampire leagues and was able to score Michael Thomas uh, for nice. one of my teams. Was able to offload Josh Gordon, who I have high hopes for. But has I think Michael Thomas will be a better pickup. Oh yeah, for sure. I would definitely take Michael Thomas over Josh Gordon any day of the week. Uh, you know, I have been having, as I mentioned yesterday, some rough fantasy weeks so far. I feel like I'm playing the highest scoring team every week or whatever teams have players going off. 
Uh, this week I got to play a lot of Jared Goff and, and Cooper Cup and Chris Godwin for some reason. Uh, I just cannot seem to catch a break. And I think I'm doing good in like three of my 38 leagues, which is not a really great feeling, to be honest with you, to to be, you know, three in, I don't even know, 35. So, yeah, it's just, it's not it's not been fun. But I'm doing good in the FLA league. Which, uh, yeah, see, you mentioned nice. that yesterday, and I went to go look. I think we're both doing well in there. I sometimes I forget I'm in that, you know, which league is which. Yeah, um, but I think I'm undefeated in that league. Yeah, so am I. It's, three and one. It, it's yeah, it's it's nice. It's nice to be like I think last year I finished last in there. I don't remember what I I know I took Cook in the first round. And then somebody else, and my team just went to complete crap after Cook got hurt because I had no other running backs. And so this, so far this year, I mean, I guess Chris Godwin is paying off for me. I can't remember exactly what my team is. I'm trying to quickly pull it up, but my phone loves to to move very slowly here. I know I have Godwin in there for sure, and obviously his his, – points there chubb and elliot which that helped i don't know how uh chubb fell to me in the second round but because i picked i think out of the five or six spots i know i got elliot yeah and then chubb fell back to me then and then i got stefan diggs and and godwin the next two rounds and and diggs has not Poor really diggs. worked out for me but and i still got guys sitting there on ir because i haven't figured out if i want to drop them or not but i was able to back them up with peterson who hasn't done anything but yeah i like i like the team i'm only two and two i thought i was doing a lot better in here but Oh well, that part of it is, is is what it is, I guess. Still middle of the pack, but yeah, I like it. It's a lot better to us to be there than, like I said, at the bottom. I know I'm pretty sure I was like 0-4 in this league last year. So just hoping to make the playoffs and yeah. see what happens. I definitely was not uh, good in this league last year. It has been nice to actually have a fighting chance. Yeah, absolutely. So let's go ahead and talk about some of the the rest of the NFL games we somewhat broke down yesterday. We broke down seven of them. We'll do the rest of them today. We eating all day, bro. I'm hitting you every time. Every time you come as well, I'm going to hit you. Y'all not going to be able to do that. You don't want no problems, bro. You are my boy. I'm a man. It's about to get ugly. I want to score. So we're going to start off with the Oakland Raiders at the Indianapolis Colts. The Raiders getting a a pretty big win here, uh, kind of surprisingly too, especially with as good as the Colts had been playing of late, 31-24, putting them both at 2-2 on the season. Derek Carr goes 21-31, 189 yards and two touchdowns on the day to finish his QB 16, 22.71 points. Josh Jacobs continues to struggle. Coming in as RB22 on the week with 12.8 points in this one. 79 yards on 17 carries uh, and only 29 yards on two catches in the receiving game. Tyrell Williams and, um, uh, my goodness, why did I just forget his name? Um, I, I almost wanted to call him Delaney Walker for some reason. Darren Waller continued to be the studs in the receiving game here, though. Darren Waller, 53 yards on seven catches to finish his tight end 10 with 12.3 points. And Tyrell Williams... Wide receiver 27 on the week with 12.6 points in this one. 36 yards, three catches, and a touchdown. We also saw a sighting of Foster Moreau, a guy that a lot of people were very high on coming into the season as well. 30 yards, three catches, and a touchdown to come in as tight end 12 with 12 points. Uh, and then we also had, um, uh, my goodness, um, 
good gosh, I cannot think right now. Trevor Davis, wide receiver, come in as well, mostly because he had a 74-yard rushing touchdown in this one. Comes in as RB23 with 13.4 points. Not a guy you're likely going to be picking up and or playing. So as I said, Raiders moved to 2-2 two and two with an impressive win. Williams and Wallers are really the only guys for me in this offense that I'm willing to start every week. I know me and you are both guys that are not big on Josh Jacobs, but he struggles again in this one. What are your thoughts really on Jacobs moving forward? And then what about Foster Moreau at tight end? We've seen Waller ball out. Do you think there's any shot... I would say in redraft leagues, there's probably no reason to go out and get Moreau. But what about in dynasty leagues? Do you think he might be worth a, a sleeper stash in a deeper league? Yeah, I mean, I could see stashing Moreau in a, in a deeper league. It really seems like Waller has exploded at tight end. But with um, you know, with the Raiders not having a ton in, in terms of receiver depth, uh, that certainly could make him appealing. It seems like Derek Carr just really loves uh, tight ends. Uh, yeah. We've seen that year in, year out. Uh, Jacobs, I think we've talked about it a few times. He feels like the kind of running back, maybe a little bit in that Derek Henry class, where um, he's getting a lot of volume. He's kind of a banger. If he gets you a touchdown or is able to break for a big play, it's going to be a great week for you. Otherwise, probably he feels to me like a middle-of-the-pack RB2. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, he's finished the, the past couple weeks outside of the week one game where obviously he did go off. He had a great game, a couple touchdowns, so he, he really kind of peaked in value at that point, in my opinion. And even, and even in the second week, had a decent game where some of us Jacobs haters were kind of questioning ourselves and like, all right, well, maybe we were wrong about this kid. Now, and not that an RB2 is a bad thing either for fantasy. You have to have RB2s to win your league, and he, I agree with you. He's a, a middling to back end RB2 for me, so he's not a bad player to have at all. I just don't think he has quite that upside a lot of people thought he was going to have coming into the season especially with the the expected workload that he was going to have coming into Oakland and being the sole guy there for that rushing attack and the real question I think I would have too is will he hit the rookie wall at some point because we've seen that happen before and Jacobs in particular was a guy that didn't have a heavy workload in college yeah he is getting a ton of carries and a ton of work and it's September, what's going to happen November, December? Um, that bears watching. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't even think about that. If it were me, uh, that's something I'd be extremely worried about because that's something I've addressed many times on this podcast with Dennis. That was one of the reasons neither one of us really liked him and, and would not move him ahead of Montgomery and Sanders is because in college, as you pointed out, he did not get the full workload. That was Damian Harris and Najee Harris. So he, he's kind of been a guy who split the workload and I could see if they continue to ride him like this possibly really faltering down the the second half here of the NFL season might not we we don't know there's no way to really know that but that is definitely something worth watching as you pointed out on the Colts side here, so as I said, they lost to Jacoby Brissett. Really kind of actually struggled most of the day. Comes through late uh, with his touchdowns to really kind of make uh, make the fantasy day here. Getting you uh, going 24-46 with three touchdowns and one interception. Adding 19 yards on the ground to come in as QB6 with 34.5 points. Naheem Hines has the better day at running back. Uh, not doing much at the running back spot, though, with just six yards on three carries, but does add 39 yards on six catches to come in as RB31 with 10 points. Marlon Mack, RB36 on the week with 3.9 points in this one. 39 yards on 11 carries.
series. Saw him come out, and Jordan Wilkins come in, another guy that I loved last year. 17 yards on four carries for 4.3-yard average. Uh, again, Mac a little bit banged up here. We'll, we'll get to him in a minute. Zach Pascal comes in and then really kind of leads the team, uh, not leads the team in targets, but right there at the top, right behind Jack Doyle, who had a good game. Paris Campbell actually got a lot of targets as well, but Pascal is the one who gets four catches with 72 yards and finishing as the best wide receiver on the day. Wide receiver 31, 11.2 points. Campbell, wide receiver 65 with 5.6 points, and I bring him up because he did get five catches and 25 yards, but did get eight targets, which was tied with Jack Doyle, who had 22 yards, four catches, and the touchdown coming in at tight end 11 with 12 Point two points. Ebron tied in 13 with 11.8 points in this one. One catch, 48-yard touchdown. I want to start with the wide receiver part here first because I feel like Mac might be a longer discussion. And, and I don't know where you stand on Paris Campbell, so I'll, I'll give my side first. I like what I saw out of, out of him. Again, he's a phenomenal wide receiver, a ton of speed, a much bigger route tree than a lot thought coming out of college. He was kind of used one way at Ohio State. I felt like him coming in here, I was a lot more thrilled, obviously, with him getting paired with Andrew Luck at the time. Does have Jacoby Brissett now, who I don't think is a bad quarterback. But the fact that he got eight targets, was out there a lot in this one, I think is uh, exciting for me. He's someone that is likely not a, you're not able to pick up in dynasty leagues, but in a redraft league, if you've got a bench spot or maybe you're, you're rostering a second defense or second tight end that you might not need, I would feel I would actually prefer to drop them and pick up Paris Campbell because I think he has a big second half coming. Phenomenal slot wide receiver, and again with eight eight targets in this one, five catches. If he can get going, he is someone that can really get you a lot of fantasy points and, and is a guy who can literally take it to the house every time he touches the ball. Well, what's your thoughts on this wide receiver core outside of Ty Hilton? I you know I. Don't really see the value. I, I hear what you're saying about eight targets, but it's not really that much different. Pascal had seven, Rogers had six, six for Hines. I think they were just spreading the ball around, which seems to happen. Five catches, only 25 yards, also lost a fumble. Yeah. I was actually a little disappointed by what we saw from Campbell. Um, I have been kind of throughout the season, I thought there was a chance for him to really step up. He just doesn't seem to have found a groove. Dynasty, you know, I think he could get there. I don't know if he's worth a stash to me in redraft. We haven't seen enough to make me think that that's really coming. All right, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, with Dynasty, I imagine he's owned. I know he was a guy who, especially toward the end, if you were having your Dynasty rookie drafts, was a guy who was actually going in the first round before we all found out Luck was retiring. So if he's available, definitely snag him in Dynasty leagues. I imagine he's likely not, though. On the Marlon Mack thing, so I know neither one of us are Mack guys. Uh, we actually both talked about it after week one when he had the huge game. I believe, uh, I can't remember exactly what I said, but it was something to the effect of he always does this. He has one good game and then has three or four bad games. Everybody jumps off and then he has that good game again and all the all of his truthers and everything come out and talk about how great he is. If you owned Mac right now, how good are you feeling and are you trying to get rid of him or are you going to keep him and hope that he turns it around? I mean, I think he's still an RB2. He came in banged up. There was some question about whether he was going to play or not. I don't think he's totally healthy. Um, and that's possibly a question going forward. But I think when he's available, he gets the volume and what's a, a somewhat decent offense. Everybody's going to have poor games he's had 
uh, he hasn't had that bad of a game uh, so far this season. So I'm still holding on to him. I don't know that you're going to be able to get enough for him that it would even be worth trying to move him. All right, fair enough. All right, next up we have the Los Angeles Chargers and the Miami Dolphins. The Chargers winning this one 30-10. Not surprising, really, with as bad as the Dolphins have been. Phillip Rivers goes 24 of 30, 310 yards and two touchdowns to finish his QB9 on the week with 30.4 points. Austin Eckler continues to ball out at the running back position at least for one more week, finishing his RB4 29.2 points. 80, I'm sorry, 60 yards on 18 carries and a touchdown at 62 yards on five catches and a touchdown. Also saw a little bit of Pope in this one. Let's see, Dontrell Inman, best wide receiver on the day, though likely nobody was starting him. 76 yards, five catches. Keenan Allen, 48 yards and five receptions to come in as wide receiver 34 with 9.8 points. Inman, wide receiver 26 with 12 points. Keenan Allen did have a, I believe it was 70-yard touchdown called back, though. So Chargers get the win. Gordon is back. He he came back before, um, or I, I think it was on Thursday when when my my uh, equipment was not working, so we were not able to really do a podcast and talk about it. But he is back with the team now. Likely is not going to play for a couple weeks. The only reason he was on the roster was because Justin Jackson got hurt and was in a walking boot Thursday and Friday. So they did have Gordon activated for an emergency situation. With Gordon possibly coming back in two weeks, how comfortable are you playing Eckler as a flex or RB1 or 2 on your fantasy team? I don't think you can safely play him as counting on RB1 production. He always has the upside to get into the RB2 range with touchdowns, but he's probably going to be more of a flex play. I don't see how they completely keep him out of the lineup, and given that they have all kinds of injuries at tight end and wide receiver, I think he's still going to be a big part of the passing game, even if Melvin Gordon is taking a lot of the rushing work. We had thought it could be like a 60-40, maybe even a 50-50 split when Gordon came back. Then last week, Anthony Lynn's comments made it seem like it's almost certainly going to be 70-30, which is a little disappointing. I've really... Enjoyed Eckler. I thought he's played very well. Yeah. Um, I was surprised. I thought we actually would see Gordon get a few plays last week, and I still think he's going to play some this week, probably have to ease him in. Um, but it sounds like they're just committed to giving him his job back no matter what, which is a little bit of a surprise considering the way they treated him this offseason. Yeah, I mean, I could see it maybe being something where Lynn's just trying to get him out there knowing they're likely not going to get him back next year. So kind of like the thought everybody had with Le'Veon Bell and the Steelers last year, just have him come out there and then run him till the wheels fall off kind of deal and then let him go because they can franchise tag him. I don't know if they do that. Even if they do, I'd imagine Gordon doesn't sign it and sits out all season like Bell does anyway. So I would imagine chances are he's going to be a free agent at the end of this year. I'm with you. I'm a little disappointed they're not going to give Eckler more run because, I mean, we talked about at the beginning of the season we thought he could be, you know, a top – 10 to 12 running back every single week, but he's been top five every single week. He has been just outstanding. I mean, anybody who picked him up in the middle rounds of their fantasy drafts are likely sitting at 3-0 and alone just because of what he has produced for him. So we'll see what happens. I think the one bad thing with Gordon coming back is, you know, um, we talk about this all the time. doesn't matter how much you're working out and everything off the field. You're not in NFL shape. And if they come out there and try and, 
maybe push him out there too quick. He might get some kind of soft tissue injury. And then Eckler's right back out there. So I imagine nobody's thinking about dropping Eckler, but definitely do not try and move him or drop him because all it takes is one injury away and you still have a top five RB, at least from what he's shown so far this year. On the Dolphins side, I mean, there's really still not much to talk about with them, a a work in progress. I'm interested, I will be interested to see what this team looks like next season. Uh, Obviously, a lot of draft picks, them kind of going the full 76ers tank mode here. Josh Rosen uh, starts in that quarterback again here. I I would imagine he's going to be the starter every single week now moving forward unless there's an injury. 17-24, 181 touchdown, one interception comes in as QB 22 with 15.4 points. Kenyon Drake actually does a little bit, which was nice to see. 44 yards on 9 carries, adds 29 yards on 3 catches to come in at RB33 with 10.3 points. And then Preston Williams just continues to impress here. 48 yards, 4 catches, coming in at wide receiver 43. And I don't know how I overlooked this earlier, uh, but Devontae Parker actually has himself a game. 70 yards, 4 catches, and a touchdown. I guess we'll start there with Parker and then move toward uh, Drake and Balazs. I want to talk about them really quick. Uh, your thoughts on, on what Parker were the ad, if he's available? I mean, he has looked good with Josh Rosen being out there. What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, I mean, he's a, a deeply bi-week flex. You know, when you're thinking about bye weeks coming up, which, speaking of which, the Dolphins will be on by this week, so... Yeah. Uh, don't be adding him thinking you're going to play him right away. But, you know, with those things coming up, uh, you could do worse than a guy who's who looks like a number one target. Still kind of interested to see how they're going to come together. They have injuries still. Albert Wilson's still not on the field for them, so I don't know what that'll do uh, to the passing game. But obviously, uh, Parker made the most, only got four targets, hauled them all in for 70 yards and a touchdown. Uh, you'd like to see a little more volume, especially for a team that has to throw. He was third on the, the team in targets, so it seems like Williams and even dump-offs Drake are a little bit more popular in the backfield. Um, all those Kalen Balazs truthers must be dying a little bit on the vine <laughs> because Mark Walton was actually the number two running back. had six carries to Balazs having two. Yeah. Also caught two passes. Uh, to Balazs having just a single target that he didn't haul in, it almost—it certainly appears Walton may have jumped him on the depth chart. I mean, I would not be surprised by that. On Parker, since I didn't give his fantasy stats, finished as wide receiver 15 on the week with 17 points. Uh, and that's what I wanted to touch on those guys. So Balazs, I've seen... I mean, I'm not going to lie, I haven't been watching every Miami game because there's not really much to watch there. But from what I've seen, I've seen Balazs drop a ton of passes which is something we've brought up many times. He's just not that good of a pass catcher. hes I don't know him, so I can't say that he's lazy, but he has had that tag put on him from what he did in college uh, and then so far in the NFL. I loved Mark Walton coming out of Miami a couple years ago. I thought he would have gone higher had he not gotten that ankle injury at the end of, or I think it was like in week eight or nine against Notre Dame actually a couple years ago. So I would not be surprised if he ends up jumping Balaj. I, I Balaj phenomenal physical specimen, and and I think if he could really just kind of put in the work and the grind, could end up being a really good running back. But he just hasn't shown it yet. I am I am liking what I'm seeing out of Drake, though. It looks like they're finally starting to lean on him a little bit more. And if you can get ten points out of him every week, likely where you drafted him, low end flex play that that's not bad at all, especially. If it's a, a guy you've been holding on to in Dynasty Leagues hoping that they would finally lean on him, it looks like that might actually 
be happening for, for the first time in a long time. Next up, we have the shootout I don't think anybody was expecting with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Los Angeles Rams. The Buccaneers winning this one 55-40. Jameis Winston, 28-41, 385, four touchdowns, one interception, comes in at QB1 on the week with 44.3 points. My guy, Ronald Jones, continues to impress, RB19, 15.2 points. 70 yards on 19 carries and a touchdown. Still not doing much in the receiving game, but that's okay. Just 12 yards on one catch. Peyton Barber gets 19 yards on nine carries and a touchdown as well. Chris Godwin goes off, which was a little bit disappointing, I'm sure, for some people. I know I saw a lot of people talking about on Twitter how they left him on their bench because there's a lot of talk about him not playing in this game. He showed up. 12 catches, 172 yards, and two touchdowns to finish his wide receiver one on the week with 41.2 points. Mike Evans has a good day as well. Wide receiver 10 on the week with 18.9 points in this one. 89 yards, one touchdown, four catches again. That one touchdown coming on a 67-yard play where he just burned Marcus Peters. And then O.J. Howard just continues to struggle and disappoint in this one. 33 yards on three catches, tied in 24 in the week with 6.3 points. Uh, Cameron Brait scores a touchdown, 36 yards on one uh, and one touchdown. So the Buccaneers offense wins a, a pretty decent shootout here. Is Winston to be believed in again? I mean, a lot of people were high, obviously, on this offense with Bruce Arians coming over. They kind of struggled in weeks one and two, looked good last week, looked even better this week. Are you ready to possibly grab Winston and plug him in as a top 12 quarterback every week? Um, You know what? It's possible he could be top 12 every week. I certainly think he looks a lot better than he did. Uh, at the beginning of the season, he's had basically three pretty good games. Oh, I actually thought week two against Carolina on a short week, he showed something, showed quite a bit of spark over where he was week one. Um, so uh, with the weapons he has and the fact that their defense is pretty horrific, they're probably going to have to be throwing a lot, um, which is always good for fantasy. So I think he's definitely back up there in the – consideration for a low-end starting QB. And then the big hot debate on Twitter uh, over the past 24 to 48 hours after the Godwin and Evans performances, do you think that Chris Godwin is the new number one in Tampa? Yeah, I I think the way it's gone this season, you would be hard-pressed to make an argument against that. He continually seems to get more targets. If you look at this game, 14 targets to seven for Evans. That's a pretty clear break. Not like some of these where we've seen like eight, seven, six, you know, everybody tightly bunched. That's a, that's a pretty big spread. He's been the target leader, I believe three of the four weeks and he's been their leading receiver three of the four weeks. Um, It could have to do with role. It could have to do with defenses, but he seems to be the better higher upside play right now. Yeah, I mean, for me, I would say it's probably the role. This is something I know we talked about in the offseason in the fact that Bruce Arians has always relied heavier on his slot wide receiver. I know, obviously, 
Larry Fitzgerald is a Hall of Famer in Arizona, but he leaned on him a lot. Actually, Larry Fitzgerald, for those of you who may not remember, was an outside receiver until Bruce Arians came to Arizona. He was the one who convinced him to move into the slot, and they used him so heavily. Same thing in Pittsburgh. I can't remember who it is he made. It's Antonio Holmes, who made that great catch for the Super Bowl win. Same thing. He was their slot wide receiver. Uh, I've been saying I think Chris Godwin's going to end up having a better year than Mike Evans just because of him being in the slot for whatever reason. Bruce Arians just loves to to run the offense through that position. Already came out and said he wants him to be out there on every single offensive play. Now, not that I think Evans is going to be bad. I still think he finishes as a 12 to 14 wide receiver, especially if the offense continues to look this good. Uh, let's see, two more questions here on on the Bucks before we move to the Rams side. Uh, we'll start with the easy one, probably. OJ Howard uh, just can ha, has really not looked good all season. He's had one good game, if that. Uh, is are you ready to dump him? Are you ready to get rid of him now as, as your top tight end in redraft leagues? Obviously, Dynasty, you've got to hold on to him because he does show a lot of upside and promise, at least what we saw out of him in college. But are you ready to move on from him in a redraft league? I don't know. Tight end is a tough position, and he's in a good offense. It's just hard to know what his target share is going to be. You know, A couple weeks ago, he had zero targets, seemed to be playing fullback a lot. In this game, your offense puts up 55 points, and you only get three targets, and you get the same number of targets as what most of us would consider a lesser tight end in Bright, who also gets the TD. So it's, it's incredibly frustrating. Howard was a guy a lot of people were picking as the number four tight end behind the big three in drafts. You're just not getting that value. I don't know if I would drop him, but I'm certainly looking for other options. All right, and then last but not least, my guy, Ronald Jones. I talked about him a lot last year. I thought he'd have a breakout season. Looks like this might be the year for him. He's continued to look better and better every single week. Uh, seems to be out snapping and getting more carries than Peyton Barber now as well. I don't know if necessarily you can still buy low on him, but is he someone that you'd be willing to buy low on right now in case he ends up breaking out here in the second half and really kind of becoming that top top tier RB2 or middle tier RB2 for the rest of the season? Uh, no, not for me. Um, oh, okay. I have not seen – I know you are clinging to every piece of life for Ronald Jones, but am, they seem yes. to be alternating back and forth. There is not a clear-cut path there. And considering that this team put up 55 points and were just going like gangbusters, that was a pretty crap performance from their running game in total. They had 30 carries for 88 yards. Yeah, Take away the TDs, and that's nothing to write home about. Well, I disagree. If you can get him cheap, I would definitely try and get him. I think he's going to have a great second half of the season. He is splitting carries right now for the most part with with Peyton Barber, but I do think he is the more talented running back and will get a lot more run in the second half when they finally start to use him more often than they are using Peyton Barber. On the Rams side here, Jared Goff has a historic day, finishes his QB4 in fantasy, 35.93 points here, gets you, what was it, 45 to 68, 517 yards, two touchdowns, three interceptions though. Todd Gurley does nothing really in the rushing game, five carries for 16 yards, but gets you two touchdowns, does most of his damage in the receiving game, 54 yards on seven catches to come in his RB8 on the week with 26 points. Robert Woods finally has a bounce back game after a couple bad games, wide receiver two on the week, 30.15 points, 164 yards on 13 catches out of 15 targets as well, so a great day for Woods. 
definitely one of the one of the main targets here, along with his with uh, Jared Goff's best friend Cooper Cup. 121 yards on nine catches and a touchdown in this one to come in as wide receiver for 26.9 points. And then even though those two went off, Brandon Cooks actually had a fairly serviceable day as well. Wide receiver 24 with 13.10 points, 71 yards on six catches, and, and we saw Gerald Everett have another good game here. 44 yards on five catches and a touchdown to come in as tied end six with 15 points. Gurley, I don't want to get too optimistic, but we really haven't seen him do much of, if anything, in the receiving game up until this week. With what you saw this past week against the Buccaneers, are you hopeful that that's what's going to happen moving forward, or do you think it was more of just the game script and the fact that they were down most of the game and them throwing the ball a lot more to get back into it? Um, I think some of it had to do with game script. I mean, they only tried to run the ball 11 times, which uh, you're not going to see that happen all that much. But yeah. Gurley's always been known as a good receiver. It was encouraging to see him have such a role in the passing game. It kind of tells you when they're tight, when they're trying to go, if they're trying to find a way to go, uh, that they're going to use him whatever way necessary. He had 11 targets, which I thought was good. Not a great game from Goff, I'm curious what quarterback scoring uh, you looked up because I think you said something like 35 points in most standard scoring where you took off for turnovers since he had three interceptions and lost a fumble. He was only around 20 points, which is kind of underwhelming for a guy that threw 68 times and put up 500 yards. Yeah, I don't know. With this, it's just negative one uh, on interceptions and fumbles. So it's not like a big, like I think most ESPN standard ones, you lose two, I two. think, or something like that. So that was probably yep. why he had such a bigger day in, in uh, uh, for for the league. that I always go to different fantasy pro stuff than I do ESPN scoring. I don't, I'm not in that many ESPN leagues, so I usually don't look at their scoring to see how that goes. Um, but Robert Woods. We talked. Or I just talked about it a minute ago. Finishes as wide receiver two on the week. Has a really good game this week. Obviously, again targeted fifteen times. Gets thirteen catches, one hundred and sixty-four yards. Yet it seems like he's probably been the one that's been the hurt hurt the most since Cooper Cup came back. Cooper Cup has been to, been getting targeted like a madman since he came back, and obviously is fully healthy this year. Suffered the ACL injury last year. Can we trust this? Do you believe in Woods moving forward? I've I've said multiple times. I feel like every week at least two of these wide receivers are likely going to go off. Uh, but I, I've I said it in the preseason. I thought Cooks was a better wide receiver than Woods. So would you trust playing Woods moving forward? I think it's a little bit like whack a mole with Woods and Cooks. Woods was the better wide receiver week one and week four. Cooks was the better option week two and week three. Uh, Cup seems to be steady throughout. So Cup's the most reliable one. Woods and Cooks, I think they're both worth a play, and you're going to see alternation like this. Yeah, I think if you, depending on where you drafted him, you you likely don't have anybody better to put over him. Maybe you do. Wide receiver is fairly deep. I think he's at worst at least a flex play every week because you're going to get weeks like this out of him. And even in his bad weeks, he still I think in week two still gave you I think it was eight or nine points. It's still not bad out of your flex spot. Last week was not good at all for him. Uh, but he he'll give you these games I think more often than not. So definitely worth a flex play. 
Next up, we have Seattle and Arizona. Seattle beating Arizona 27-10. Russell Wilson, 22-28, 240 yards and a touchdown added 7 yards on the ground to come in as QB 18 on the week with 21.8 points. Chris Carson, RB 13 on the week with 18.5 points, 104 yards on 22 rushes, added 41 yards on 4 catches. Tyler Lockett comes in as the best wide receiver fantasy-wise that you were likely starting at wide receiver 39 with 9.1 points, 51 yards on four catches. And then Will Disley just continues to be a top-tier tight end. Tight end two on the week with 18.7 points, one touchdown, 57 yards on seven catches. Wilson struggled a little bit here, but then kind of turned it around there in the second half. Uh, I'm not really worried about him and and kind of putting up the pedestrian numbers he did this week. But Will Disley, uh, we talked about it a couple weeks ago. You said he was a guy you'd probably pick up after all the the amount of... uh, routes and everything that he had been out there on in weeks one and two. Uh, I mean, as he moved up into that, like, pretty much start and forget uh, territory now for tight end, you're just plugging him in. I mean, outside of Ingram, Kittle, Ertz, and why am I forgetting the last guy, Kelsey. Uh, is there anybody else you'd rather have than Disley right now? I'd probably put Austin Hooper above him. Okay. Um, I think he's been – a little bit more consistent, but um, Disley has got a touchdown in three straight games, so that looks good. Eight targets. Next closest was uh, three guys with four, so he's clearly um, a focus. It's hard to read too much into this particular game because Arizona's atrocious against the tight end. That they have not a tight end who they wouldn't let score. Um, but, you know, it was a classic Seattle game. Defense scores a touchdown. CJ Procise vultures a touchdown. All the Stars do pretty well. They win the game handily, so they didn't have to go out there. Um, they look pretty dominant. Yeah, and the one thing I also want to mention, Rashad Penny. I really feel like whether you're a truther of him or not, I think it's finally time to – I don't want to say give up on him. If you have him, he, he's definitely worth still keeping on your bench. But second game now that he has been inactive, it looks like Chris Carson is going to continue to be the guy uh, until Penny can prove something. And, and I think it is going to be hard if they're going to continue to hand the ball to Chris Carson as much as they do. So Penny – not droppable necessarily right now, at least for me, uh, but not a guy that you need to be counting on anytime soon. Uh, what about DK Metcalf, though? We saw him have a couple good games here. Uh, I, I guess with him and I'll, I'll ask you on Penny, too. Do you feel like they're droppable or just you want to move them to your bench and see what happens moving forward? For a redraft, I don't have any problem dropping either, depending on how deep your league is. Okay. All right, on the Cardinals side here, Kyler Murray goes 22 of 32, 241 yards and an interception coming in at QB 17 on the week with 21.8 points. David Johnson continues to produce for you 40 yards on 11 carries, adds 99 yards on 8 catches to come in as RB 10 with 21.9 points. Larry the Legend Fitzgerald, wide receiver 36 with 9.7 points in this one, 47 yards on 5 catches, and then Christian Kirk, 37 yards on 4 catches, wide receiver 45 with 8.3 points. Cards continue to be winless in this one. DJ, really for me, is the only guy I'm comfortable starting every week. Fitz, a low-end flex starter for me, just based on what Kyler Murray has been doing, which is not... He's putting up numbers, but has not looked great, in my opinion. The real worry is Christian Kirk, a guy a lot of people had high hopes on coming into this season. Looked good last week. I thought he looked good, too, in this game before the ankle injury. 
We have not heard how bad it is yet, but Cliff Kingsbury did come out today and said that the team is looking to add another wide receiver, which I think is bad news for Christian Kirk. What's just your overall thoughts on on the Cardinals and this offense? Yeah, they've played a lot of tough defenses. I think they're going to continue to play tough defenses. Hard to have a lot of faith in anyone beyond who you just mentioned. All right. What about let's go? Or we'll we'll move right on to uh, really another craptastic game here in the Vikings and the Bears. Vikings losing this one six to sixteen, even going up against a backup quarterback. Kirk Cousins, twenty seven of thirty six, two hundred and thirty three yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Comes in at QB twenty three with fourteen point seven points. Dalvin Cook though still puts up his thirty five yards on fourteen carries and one touchdown. Adds thirty five yards on six catches to come in at RB eleven with nineteen points. And then Stephon Diggs gets you uh, fifteen point eight points coming in at wide receiver sixteen with one hundred and eight yards on seven catches. Adam Thielen pretty much a no show. In the box score, just six yards on two receptions. Thielen came out after the game and kind of called out his coach and Kirk Cousins and not throwing the ball, and they need to pass more. With with what we've seen from this offense here, I, for me, I've talked about it, I think they need to be more balanced and throw the ball more, but it seems like they're really going to try and run the ball. It, it feels like 50 times a game. Obviously, I'm being a little exaggerating a little bit there, but... Can you feel? Would you feel safe starting Diggs and Thielen every single week right now with what we've seen from this offense? No, and you know I thought it was a weird flex and criticism at the time that he did it, saying we need to throw the ball more. This was actually a game where Cousins threw the ball thirty-six times, yeah, which is quite a bit compared to where they've been earlier in the season. Uh, but they lost. I mean, they only ran the ball 16 times, so they definitely were throwing more. And it's not like it was an incredibly far out, you know, it's not like they were buried uh, by 20, 30 points. So they had to throw. This was a tactical decision. They can't block. Mm-hmm. You know, they they spend a long time trying to work on that line. And while it's working somewhat for rushing, not particularly in this game, you know, Cousins got sacked six times. They aren't holding up very well. And he he looks terrible. Yeah, He looks like he has regressed majorly. If I was sitting back there as the coach, I'm not sure I'm endorsing the let's throw more plan, seeing what he looked like either. Yeah, it's been a weird kind of, I don't want to say fall from grace for Kirk Cousins, but just seeing what he was in Washington and now what he is in Minnesota, especially with him coming here, everybody, including myself, talking about all the weapons he had and how we really thought he was going to kind of lead this offense and be kind of this top five quarterback that he showed he was in Washington with not nearly the weapons around him he has, uh, has been truly outstanding. It's going to be something, I guess, worth watching moving forward. I mean, we have seen him have good games, but so far this year, I'm, I'm, I agree with you. He he looks like he has regressed and not at all the player uh, that we expected him to be coming over to this Minnesota team. On the Bears' side, we saw Mitch Trubisky gets injured in the first series here, goes down, uh, dislocates his left shoulder and has a slight labrum tear. Not exactly sure when he's going to be back. Uh, they They keep saying that he'll be back sooner rather than later, but not giving a real timetable on it. With that being said, we saw Chase Daniels come in, uh, kind of a 
journeyman quarterback, a guy who's actually been with Matt Nagy before in Kansas City, goes 22-30, of 30, 195 yards and a touchdown here to go QB 20 with 19.7 points. Tariq Cohen, RB 36 with 9.8 points in this one, 11 yards, 5 carries, and adds um, 7 yards, 2 catches, and a touchdown. Um, David Montgomery, though, he out-carries everybody by a ton with 21 carries, just 53 yards in this one, three catches, 14 yards to come in at RB37 with 9.7 points. And then Allen Robinson continues to kind of be the leader here in the receiving core. Uh, seven catches, 77 yards to come in at wide receiver 19 with 14.7 points. We know Trubisky at least is going to be out, I would say, at least three to four weeks, more than likely. Again, a, a dislocated shoulder that's not going to to heal quickly. Again, it is his, his non-throwing shoulder, but you still have to kind of feel good in that to throw the ball with your, with your other arm because it is a full body thing here. Robinson, Montgomery, and Cohen, do you feel comfortable moving forward with any of those guys on your fantasy team? Yeah, I mean, I think Robinson's looked good. He's uh, been very steady this season. Seven for 77 on Sunday was good. Um, Montgomery, I think when they're playing uh, lesser defense, you know, it was encouraging to see him get that many carries and that many snaps. So I think that's good. Uh, Cohen is a little bit hard to tell. You know, he gets a touchdown here that helps bail it out. But, um, you know, his role seems to flex the most week to week. This was just an ugly game for fantasy and for offense in general. Um, You have to think there will be better days ahead for both of these teams. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, like with Dalvin Cook, you mentioned earlier, did not do good today. I mean, that was probably because he was going up against the Bears defense. Um, You know, I still feel comfortable starting Robinson and probably Montgomery for me while Daniels is in again. Montgomery had 21 carries. Uh, you know, Vikings defense, I think, is a little bit underrated. Not a lot of people talking about how good that defense is as well because of what we've seen from the Packers secondary. And then, obviously, the Bears defense has been just as good as they were last year. Uh, so I, I do think better days are to come for Montgomery as well uh, in this one. Next up, we have got the Jaguars and your Denver Broncos. Jaguars winning 26-24. For the Jaguars side, Gardner Minshew. Minshew mania continues to just run rampant in the NFL. 19-33, 213 yards, and two touchdowns to come in at QB12 on the week with 25.4 points. Leonard Fournette returns to that top 10 running back we all hoped he would be. 225 yards on 29 carries, RB7 with 26.5 points. D.D. Westbrook comes in at the best wide receiver on the day, 66 yards on five catches. D.J. Chark, 44 yards on four catches to become uh, wide receiver 44 in the week with 8.4 points. Did get a touchdown called back in this one. And then the Irish legend James O'Shaughnessy at tight end, one catch, 18 yard, and a touchdown tight end, 19, 18.8 points. Minshew Mania, another great comeback for him. And, and I guess the big question everybody's been talking about, I'm pretty sure we talked about it last week. We're going to talk about it again this week. Did he Wally Pip Nick Foles? Is there any shot that you think he keeps his job when Nick Foles comes back in November? That's a good question. You know, I, I think first you have to see if we think Foles will come back this season or if they're going to try to bring him back this season. <clears throat> there was a lot of question about where the Jaguars would be record-wise so far, they're two and two, and they're hanging tough in there. 
Yeah, what is Gardner Minshew going to do? I think they took him with the idea that he might someday be their franchise quarterback. With what you've seen and with that consideration, it's not like Foles has been there for a long time and earned anything other than you paid him a lot of money in the offseason. We saw one quarter yeah. of Nick Foles, so it's not like he has an, an established following or anything set up that this was going to be his first year too unfortunate situation for him because you know you have to figure he was excited to get out and to get a chance to be on his own and out from behind Carson Wentz and it looks like uh, that's probably not going to be in Jacksonville yeah that does suck for him that's part of the reason why I hope they give him a shot when he comes back just to see if he can do what uh, Minshew has been doing in this offense. If it, it, I mean, it's it can't all be John D. Filippo. We we know he had a relationship with Nick Foles in Philadelphia. He was the offensive coordinator there with uh with Doug Peterson when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Um, but man, it, I do feel for Nick Foles because I feel like this was finally his shot again. He yeah he he was a starter with the Rams. That was with Jeff Fisher, and that team was just god awful. We saw it. And this really looked like his shot to do something, and it's just it's not panning out with him, especially if Minshew, you know, I honestly think if Minshew continues to win games, even if he loses one or two within the next couple of weeks, if he goes in above 500 in a division that's extremely winnable right now, with the way that it seems like he's won over that locker room, I don't see how they pull him out of that starting job because they're they're clearly where they are because of him. I think with uh, with that being said, Chark and and Westbrook are still. I would I trust Chark more from what I've seen over the past couple of weeks than Westbrook, but I did like Westbrook getting more involved here. But Leonard Fournette, he's a guy we've talked about many a times. Obviously, the best game he has had in quite a long time broke the the Jaguars' r- uh, single game rushing record. Would you sell high on Fournette? Or are you hoping that this is a uh, you know? Uh, something that's going to come for future outcome to come, or my goodness, that was butchered completely. Would you hope that this is the start of, of him continuing to prove that he is still a top tier running back? I think I would probably sell high Denver's defense. Not very good. I mean, Reichwell Armistead, who hadn't done anything this season, had 42 yards on eight carries. So um, they just really couldn't handle anything when it came to the run. Uh, Fournette still getting, uh, you know, good opportunity, so he's still got value, but I don't know if you're expecting this kind of performance every week, then you should try to sell high. All right, on the Broncos side, Joe Flacco, 22 of 38, 303 yards, three touchdowns, one interception, comes in at QB8 with 33.52 points. Royce Freeman finishes the better running back this week, RB39 with nine points. Six carries, 16 yards, but does add 34 yards on four catches. Phillip Lindsay, RB43, with seven points, 53 yards on nine carries, but only seven yards on one catch in this one. Cortland Sutton continues to ball out, though, which I'm, I'm loving because I love this kid uh, coming out of college. Wide receiver eight, 24.2 points, 62 yards on six catches and two touchdowns, and Emmanuel Sanders bounces back this week. Wide receiver 18 with 15 points. 104 yards on five receptions, and not necessarily someone who's being started in fantasy in, in Noah Fant, but 20, uh, I'm sorry, tight end 15 in the week with 11.1 points, got a, uh, like a tight end screen pass here that he took to the house, 25 yards for a touchdown, finished it with two catches and 31 uh, yards. Liked seeing that because I was a big fan of him over Hawkinson in the draft this year. Uh, a game that I did not get to watch a lot of, mostly because I know you are 
clearly tuned into the Broncos as they are your team. So I'm going to let you give all of the analysis here on the Broncos. What uh, what did you see and what are your thoughts moving forward with the Broncos and, and for their fantasy players? Well, I think for the running backs, um, it's going to be a frustration all season. I've, I've watched all four games. Trying to get a handle on the rotation and the roles has been near impossible. Just when you think, uh, oh, it looks like Lindsey's a big part of the passing game, catches four, four for 49 last week. He, they didn't even look at him in the passing game in this one. And Royce Freeman, who you figure is going to be kind of the big banger, it felt like every time he was out there, they were just trying to dump passes off to him, which seemed weird to me. So I think that's going to be a frustration all season. I like Sutton and Sanders. Um, I think they're both getting good targets. Both got nine targets in this game. Both did things with them. Uh, I think both of them are in flex consideration. Yeah, I'm loving both those wide receivers. It, um, you know, kind of surprising because not a lot of people had high hopes for Flacco going in there, but I feel like so far he's at least held up quite well. And I mean, not uh, an elite quarterback, but I feel like still producing that offense and, and might have been exactly what Emmanuel Sanders and Cortland Sutton needed. Uh, and I've loved what I've seen out of those two. Like I said, I'm, Emmanuel Sanders, I'm rooting for him. A guy like we, we've already talked about after that first game for him to come back and be able to play the way he did and, and not even a year out from an ACL injury or no, an Achilles injury. I'm sorry. He blew out his Achilles is just amazing. So I'm rooting for all those guys. And obviously we all know Philip Lindsay is my guy. I'd love to see him get more, more run and carry uh, in that, uh, in that offense in the backfield. But I agree with everything I've seen the past couple weeks. <laughs> that timeshare, if you own one or both of them is just going to be a pain in the ass all season, unless one gets hurt. Not that I, not that I want either one of them to get hurt. The Sunday night game between the Cowboys and the Saints turned into be a little bit of a defensive game here. So Dak goes 22-33 with 223 yards and an interception, finishing his QB 24 with 13.12 points. Zeke, although he has multiple fumbles in this game, still comes through for you in fantasy. Mo- or, I'm sorry, he has one fumble in this game. Uh, due to the touchdown, but did not do much outside of that. 35 yards, 18 carries, and a touchdown. Added 30 yards on six catches. Again, Q, uh, running back 14 with 18 points. And then they pretty much shut down the wide receivers as well. Amari Cooper, wide receiver 35 with 9.8 points. Uh, just 48 yards on five catches. Randall Cobb, 41 yards on three catches as well to finish his RB40. My goodness, keep saying RB. Wide receiver 42 with 8.6 points. Uh, I talked about it many times throughout the season. Just like with the Ravens, this was going to be the Cowboys' first test, and they struggled. Now, some of it, I do think, goes to Tyron Smith getting knocked out at the end of this game. He was in it for most of it, but was getting beat up a lot. Both the left tackles for the Saints and the Cowboys were getting beaten up in this game. But Smith out... Uh, you know, Dak struggles, and I think that really is going to affect everybody else, especially Cooper and Cabo. Surprised to see Zeke struggle as much as he did. Um, are you worried about this offense moving forward? We've seen them be explosive for three games, and then they run into the Saints defense, and it really kind of looks like the old Cowboys to me. I, You know, I'll have to see if it carries on going forward. They did have a soft schedule to start, but I thought they looked really good on offense. Everybody has a bad game every once in a while. I know a lot of the talk when I was listening to NFL Talk Radio was how surprised people were that their offensive line kind of got manhandled by the Saints. Uh, so that's that's a bit of a concern. That probably takes a toll on everything. Hard if your quarterback doesn't have time and space. Hard if your running back can't find lanes uh, to get through. So. Hopefully they'll we'll get a bounce back next week. 
Yeah, and we don't know for sure how long Smith is going to be out, but he is one of the, I'd say, probably top 10 left tackles in the game. So if he's out, that could be a big deal for that Cal- uh, the Dallas Cowboys offensive line. On the Saints side here, we see them... Uh, you know, pull out a tough win. The the first, uh, I believe the stat was the first time that Sean Payton has won at home without scoring a touchdown. Teddy Bridgewater, 23 of 30, 193 yards, zero touchdowns, one interception to come in as QB 25 with 12.27 points. Alvin Kamara struggles in this one, RB 25, 11.9 points, 69 yards on 17 carries at 20 yards on three catches. And Michael Thomas continues to just ball out, no regardless who is throwing him the ball. Wide receiver 11, 18.5 points, 95 yards on nine catches. Uh, we did see a little bit of Jared Cook, but still not much. 21 yards on three catches. Uh, again, a big home win for the Saints here. I think Thomas, we've talked about it. We were the, we both thought that he was the one who would not be affected at all from this. I still think Alvin Kamara, I mean, he had 17 carries, so you, you can't say that was that. I really think it was Leighton Vanderesh. If you go back and look at the game last year when the Saints were rolling and they came into Dallas and everybody thought that they were going to you know destroy Dallas. I think it was on a Thursday night game or a Sunday game. Yep. I can't remember. Uh, but Leighton yep. Vanderesh followed him around a lot of that game. For those of you who don't play in IDPs or pay that close attention to defense, Leighton Vanderesh, one of the best linebackers in the game. Same thing here. He was all over Alvin Kamara. I did not get to watch all of the game. But for the first half that I watched, uh, it looked like he was all over Kamara. Uh, again, struggles on this one. I think Kamara is going to be fine moving forward. Don't panic. It was just because, in my opinion, they had Van Der Esch on him. What did you see out of this Saints offense? Yeah, I think that's it. Maybe these teams just uh, have uh, just match up well against each other. It was a Thursday night game. I think it was a 10-6 Cowboys win. Yeah. Uh, That's just another kind of low scoring. Every time you think it's going to be a barn burner, uh, two years in a row, you know, it's got to be something about the way they match up, the way they play each other tough. Um, But, you know, I think they'll be, they'll be better weeks. Yeah, for sure. And um, so let's see here. We've got one game left, the Monday night game that uh, was not much to watch at all. The Bengals 3, Steelers 27 in this one. For the Bengals side here, uh, I mean, they really got beaten up by the Steelers defense. Andy Dalton 21 of 37, 171 yards and an interception, finishing his QB 28, 8.89 points. Joe Mixon 15 carries. Eight, uh, 62 yards, uh, did not do much in the receiving game either, and this one was a little bit disappointing. Four receptions, one yard to come in as RB34, 10.3 points. And then Auden Tate was the one who really stepped up, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about him here in just a minute. Before catches, 50 yards in this one. John Ross, 36 yards on three catches, got banged up in this. And Tyler Boyd, 33 yards on three catches as well. For the Bengals, so they struggled mightily here again. That offensive line, which we know had a lot of injuries in the preseason, I think is really hurting this team. They can just not block anybody up front, which is forcing Andy Dalton to get the ball out quicker. Joe Mixon's still actually doing fairly good, though, for the bad offensive line. I feel like he's the only worthwhile starter. However, I I had a question on here that I wanted to ask you about Auden Tate. I don't know if you've seen the news that has just come out as we were recording, but John Ross is out for it least a month with a shoulder injury knowing that we know AJ Green is at least two to three weeks away as well are you going to the waiver wire and possibly picking up Auden Tate as this is now two games out of the past three weeks that he has actually done fairly well in this Bengals offense 
I mean, I guess they're, I'm not really high Bengals in general, though they are playing the Cardinals this week, which kind of might uh, give them a little bit more value. Um, I still like Boyd as the best receiver, but Tate, especially if you're in deep leagues, it's not worth, it's not too bad of an idea to do a stash. Um, seeing as how they're playing the Cardinals this week, I would also think tight end might be something yeah. I'd be interested in. I was going to say, as soon as you said Cardinals, all right, so fire up C.J. Uzoma if you can, if he's available on waivers, because he will finish as Eifert. a top five tight end. Or Eifert, yeah, that's actually a good call as well on Eifert. Eifert if you want to touch him. Oh, yeah, I guess that's true. Uh, let's see here. For the Steelers side here, so Mason Rudolph, a, a fairly decent game, did do a lot of wildcat here, which I'm not exactly a big fan of here. Uh, trusted him a little bit, but I felt like he probably could have done more against a beat-up Bengals secondary and team here. 24-28, 229 yards and two touchdowns, coming in as QB 11 on the week with 26.86 points. James Conner and Jalen Samuels go off against a very poor run team. James Conner, 10 carries, 42 yards, adds 83 yards on 8 receptions and a touchdown in this one. Jalen Samuels, 26 yards on 10 carries and a touchdown, and then adds 57 yards on 8 catches, both finishing in the top 10. Conner, RB6, with 26.5 points, and Samuels, RB9, with 24.2 points. And then Deontay Johnson is the wide receiver that comes through for you here. 77 yards on 6 catches and a touchdown to finish as wide receiver 14 with 17.7 points. James Washington gets blanked. And Juju, just 15 yards on 3 catches, only gets 4 targets in the game. If you are a Juju owner, you are likely panicking right now as last week you take away the long touchdown run down the sideline and this would be three weeks in a row. He has done almost nothing. Are you I'm, – I'm not sure how I want to put this. Were you – do you think this was more game script and the fact that the, the Bengals are just bad against running backs and we saw that the game plan really seemed to be focused more on Connor or Samuels or are you really starting to panic now if you are a Juju owner? Uh, I mean, I'm going to have to moderate expectations for Juju all season. We've talked about that, but um, it was just a weird game, weird game flow. I mean, 16 targets and receptions to the two running backs is a ton. Uh, Jalen Samuels actually threw three passes yeah. in this game, too. It, was just a, it felt like a weird offensive scheme. I still... The biggest struggle is it's hard to tell what the Steelers are after four weeks. It feels yeah. like they're still struggling to find their own identity. Last night was about finding something that worked and trying to get a win and trying to get back on track after starting 0-3 and losing Ben Roethlisberger, and I think they successfully did that. Um, we'll have to see going forward. You're going to have to moderate expectations for the Pittsburgh offense in general. And that's kind of a shame. This is an offense that has been reliably producing top five guys at all the positions for several years. And I don't think we're going to see that this year. Yeah. I mean, we were having a, I don't want to say an argument, but a discussion in, in one of our group chats for the FLA team about Juju Smith-Schuster, a couple guys who think that he is not that good. I know me and you were both on the side of, he is good. Uh, I mean, if you really dive in and look deep at his stats with targets, routes run, all this stuff, he's still putting up top-tier stats. 
Mason Rudolph it's is not touchdowns. Big Ben, though. Yeah, well, yeah, of course it's, a, it's touchdowns as well, but I also think... You know, if we put him up against... Uh, the one I did in our chat was Hopkins. Yeah. DeAndre Hopkins, 24 receptions, 200, and now I'm going to have to look. He only has one more yard and one more touchdown than Smith-Schuster on seven more receptions this yeah. year. So Juju's still a factor. Touchdowns, to me, are a little fluky. And it's an adjustment. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say. I think it's more of a, a Mason Rudolph thing than Big Ben because we've seen a lot of people keep making the, the A-B argument, which I kind of brought up. But you, you can't make that argument last year because A.B. was still the guy. And regardless of him missing games or not, he's always going to be the guy there. Juju is the guy there now. I really think that if Big Ben was still there, he would target him like he did A.B. Big Ben is not there, so they're going to change their entire game plan. They're not going to throw Mason Rudolph out there and say, do what Big Ben did because he can't do that. So I agree with you. You have to moderate your expectations a little bit. I still think better days are to come for the Steelers. They've also had three tough games to start out the season this was kind of their first light matchup and yeah we did see that Juju did not necessarily have a, a good game here but Juju I mean we saw that AB as well you're not always going to have great games out of these guys they're going to have some bad games I do think better days are to come for Juju uh, but you do have to kind of lower your expectations a little bit likely drafted in the back end of the first round or middle to, to high end of the second round, he's likely going to finish closer to a, a top tier wide receiver two than obviously a wide receiver one. But I do think that's more based on the offense and his backup quarterback being there than Juju and his skills. Because I, I think, and I would imagine you agree with me, he's still a top talented player, but there's only so much he can do because he can't throw the ball to himself, so to say. Yeah, they they faced some tough defenses this next week's probably not going to be that great either since they have the Ravens, although it's hard to tell what the Ravens' defense is. But, you know, we'll see them get back on track. They go to the Chargers. People have been able to throw on them. They get a home game against the Dolphins. That's like Christmas come early. Uh, they get to play against the Colts, the Rams. I mean, these are defenses we've seen people throw against. They get to play the Cardinals. I think better days are coming um, it just hasn't been an ideal start. And this is still a team trying to find its identity. Well, I would say if they're going up against the Ravens, definitely fire them up because we just saw Baker Mayfield and the Browns go crazy on the Ravens. So I think Mason Rudolph and Juju Smith-Schuster can Might do be it as better well. for uh, Connor, though. Well, uh, it looks like the Ravens have struggled uh, to defend against running. That may be true, but I'm still well. You have to fire up Juju. Let's let, we can't pretend like yeah. you've got three better wide receivers than him anyway. So you got to fire yeah, him up the, and hope for the best. The one I'm really excited about. I referenced this last week that I was interested in seeing Deontay Johnson, and I think uh, we actually might be seeing him emerging as the wide receiver too. There, there was a big opening. A lot of people took for granted that Martin Creef was going to do it. He seems to have dropped off of the face of the earth as he should after Week One's performance. Yeah. James Washington, we thought might have an edge, especially with Rudolph, as they were college teammates, but we haven't seen. That's been more fizzle than sizzle yep. in three weeks. But Johnson just making the most of his opportunities, climbing up there. I like what I see. Yeah, I'm glad you brought him up. I feel like he, you're you're right. He he stepped up. He he got named the starter last week. Had a good game last week. Has had another good game this week. Was by far the best receiver out there. Uh, I I think it, it's time to fire him up over James Washington. If you were rostering Washington and hoping and hoping for the best, I think it's Johnson time time all day now moving forward. 
All right, well, Matt, thank you so much for joining me today uh, and breaking down the rest of these games. I look forward to talking to you on Thursday and talking about some possible uh, players to to be pan- to panic or have some patience and talk about possibly some teams uh, and see if we believe if they're contenders or pretenders and stuff like that. So look forward to talking to you on Thursday and have a good couple days. I'll talk to you soon. Sounds great. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Oh, the tackle of the corner.